1st of October, Gemini. We'll be talking about Gemini. It's uh, not that easy sign to properly explain. It may look simple to you, but it's far more uh, complicated than you think. Gemini governs the etheric body. So if you think of the four cosmic ethers, and it really governs all of the polarities in the zodiac, all of the pairs of opposites. You can think of male-female. You can think of the relationship between that is that which is above the diaphragm and that which is below the diaphragm. So if you think of those types of interrelationships, the interrelationship between Ida and Pingala Nadis, between heaven and earth. So if you can think of those types of relationships, Gemini governs the, the way that they interrelate, governs the emergence of the dualities. It uh, governs the Nadi system. It governs the bloodstream. Therefore, in many ways, it governs all the vital fluids of life. It precedes the process of incarnation into dense manifestation. Therefore, when you think of the chakras, when you think of blood, when you think of the nervous system, when you think of polarities, the male-female interrelationship, heaven and earth, Think of cosmology, the way that the gods interrelate with earth. All of that comes under your species of Gemini. There is technically a 13th sign of the zodiac called Arachne, which is between Gemini and Cancer. This particular sign is actually quite important from one point of view. um, Arachne builds the web, the web of the Nadis. And when I look at this particular sign, I'm looking at the womb, the substance of the womb into which the divine child incarnates. With the concept of Gemini, we have the two twins. I've drawn them as male-female, dancing up the rainbow path, the Antikarana, to the Holy of Holies. The exoteric statement for Gemini is fluid, often unstable relationships. Fluid, often unstable relationships. And um, what the Gemini twins at first are doing is quarreling, fighting, reprobing. They have to learn to get on. Uh, Anyone that's got siblings uh, or anyone that's grown up as siblings, they've seen that type of fighting and quarreling that happens from time to time. And uh, so the whole path of Gemini, the hands have to learn to join together in mutual service. And only as they join together in mutual service and love can twins travel up the rainbow bridge to Valhalla and to Shambhala, to Hierarchy. So with the twins, you don't want clenched fists, mutual embrace. So fluid, often unstable relationships... I've um, pointed out earlier, you know, that there's relationships between male and female, etc., that Gemini rules all of the dualities in the zodiac. Technically, it brings things or people together. Another thing to do with this particular sign is that it governed the Lemurian root race, the approach of Shambhala to the earth when individualization happened. It came under the sign Gemini. It's that early instinctual type of consciousness of Lemurian. (coughs) 
the main thing is got to do with this incarnation into the etheric body to first before one can come to grips with dense physical life. So it's a clairvoyance that manifests, that um, precedes physical plane activity. Gemini is also the sign of the cosmic Christ. The two brothers, one mortal, which are called Castor and Pollux, and the other immortal. And the immortal brother is the Christ. There's no dark brotherhood there. And the mortal brother, of course, is the the struggling disciple trying to realize chorus consciousness. On my card of Gemini, we have the symbol of the grand architect of the universe. Those of you who studied masonry or have looked into masonry know that's their key symbol, the grand geometrician. And so he sits on the sphere of the heart, of hierarchy of the soul and encompasses the two pillars of the temple which in masonry are called Yachim and Boaz which we know of course as Adam Pingala Nadi so it's the great the grand geometra that measures out the universe which is what of course the Nadi system really is it's based on geometrical principles they've got him here of course seated as a yogi or yogin because, of course, the yogin awakens the chakras, which are ruled by Gemini. Between each of the chakras is also ephric webs, which one actually has to burn away before the corresponding city or psychic power can be obtained. There's four levels of these webs, and the fifth between the head and the head centre. All of you should already know the symbolism of travelling up the Rainbow Bridge and what it symbolises, the Antakrana. So the whole symbolism of building the Antakrana from here to your soul, from, from the soul to the monad, again, is symbolised by this particular sign. That's what bridges the opposites. The immortal brother in this particular case can be considered your soul, and the immortal brother, the personality. So if you think of all the things you need to do in order to master the personality, to be able to make the bridge in consciousness, there you have the considerations of this particular sign. As you can see, I quite like Gemini. The esoteric aphorism for it is the temple builder, because it builds the temple of the heart, the temple of consciousness. Technically, there's the door that stands in front of the temple, and it's closed. And the temple builder learns to open the door and enter into the sacred principle uh, precincts of the temple, the innermost recesses, the adityum. And there they bow before the shrine to reveal the hidden splendor, the holy of holies. So... This whole process of building the Antakrana, travelling up to it, travelling to the temple, uh, esoterically in front of the temple, of course, is the guardian angel, or the, the angel of the flaming sword, which you've got to pass before you can enter the temple. 
The particular symbol I've got there is, of course, the heart centre, and the very centre of the heart is the deep indigo blue of love, and it's in the form of an awakening or opening eye. So the light of the body is the single eye. And esoterically, the aphorism is the the divine intermediary. And of course, the Gemini uh, stands as the hierophant between God and humanity, between the monad and the personality, between the principle of the soul, the enigma mundi, which is the world soul, and supplicant humanity. So you're the divine intermediary, you are the hierophant for the Most High, giving to those that come and prostrate before the temple the beneficence from that which is divinity. You are the one that officiates. And again, this is the concept of duality, God and matter. All of you should understand the significance of the Ifrit body with the chakras and how it stands before your higher awarenesses as you learn to awaken each chakra and your mundane consciousness. And each chakra is but one of the temple of Gemini. So at each step, each of these seven levels, uh, each of the seven chakras, you bow before it to open up the mysteries or to be to have the mysteries revealed to you by being, again, the divine intermediary. And all of you know that the temple that you build esoterically is the temple of your own body. You must master it, conquer the samskaras, conquer all of the evil samskaric qualities within it, transform base substance into the elixir of enlightenment. Not an easy task for all of you yoginis, but it's what we're all engrossed in. Transformation, transmutation, enlightenment, liberation. And that's the path that Gemini brings. The cross is the mutable cross. It's pole opposite of Sagittarius, which is the archer that fires the arrow to the goal. And of course the goal as you can see by the card, is literally the heart in the temple, the Adichium, the Holy of Holies. And wherever the eye directs or wherever the arrow goes, that is where the enlightened one or the archer travels. The symbol is the air, or the element is the air, which, of course, is uh, associated with the Ephric body and the pranas that flow through it. So you have five pranas and this is the airy quality that Gemini is the custodian of. And the signs Mercury exoterically, Venus esoterically and the Earth. Mercury relates Gemini also to Virgo and I'm not too sure of the other sign. But you can see this um, fluid mercurial mind, the caduceus stuff, that is again what you develop on the yoga path and the path of the awakening of perceptions of mastery of the chakras. Esoterically it's Venus, which is the development of the higher mind in this particular case. 
the development. With um, Mercury and Venus together, you can see that it's intuition and abstract reasoning that the Mercurian, the Gemini disciple is working to develop. Of course, with the exoteric uh, Mercury, then you got this fluid unstability. Gemini was ruling such things as the artisan, um, the tradesman, those travellers in from the exoteric point of view because of this Mercurian quality. Is that fourth what ray, Mercury? Fourth ray, yes. Venus is the fifth ray. Venus esoterically is also the Earth's alter ego, or the soul of the Earth itself. It's um, quite significant. And the Lords of Flame therefore came to the Earth. Um, therefore the Lords of Flame from Venus came when Shambhala was established at the time of individualization. And Venus therefore is the, the link to Sirius. It's quite interesting when you think of it, of course, because when you're looking at Venus, you're also looking at the feminine. It's actually one of the only two signs in the zodiac that actually have the Earth. In this particular case, it's the Earth for Gemini hierarchically and the Earth for Sagittarius esoterically. And there's a mystery here, and it's got to do with, again, the individualization process of humanity on this earth. So Gemini, Sagittarius interrelationship have a direct bearing upon the evolution of life on this earth. Literally the awakening of etheric perception. The earth is the place where the temple of God is properly established. It's the fourth of the planetary schemes and it's the lowest scent of matter. And so again, and this earth globe is the you know, the, the fourth globe of the fourth chain of the fourth scheme of the solar system of the fourth order and we're the fourth hum, human kingdom bearing the fourth ray and it was even more significant than that in the Atlantean epoch which was the fourth root race. This gives you an idea of the significance of Gemini. Though it is the third sign, it exoterically has the um, Mercury and hierarchically it has the earth as its ruler that links the fourth ray to the earth, anchors humanity rightly here as the fourth kingdom in nature and to the solar logos, which is a logos of the fourth order in our, in our cosmos. That, in a nutshell, actually is Gemini. And Sorry, when you were saying Mercury's fourth ray, Venus is fifth ray, what's earth? Earth um, is generally seen as the third ray. It actually has two rays, the third and the seventh. So I think of the earth as three, seven. You can see the um, third ray and the green of nature. Nature is green for good reason. Uh, uh, Mars, for instance, is red because it's actually ruled by the sixth ray. And the seventh ray is that which governs the etheric. We do not consider the dense physical as a principle. It's the great illusion. It's phenomena that's ever-changing. The real is the etheric body. And likewise, when you're thinking of yourselves as human units, your form is the automaton. It automatically responds to the energies that work through the etheric double. And the etheric double is governed by Gemini. 
And you can think of the dualities, two hands, two feet, you know, the above and above, below the diaphragm and so forth, as the functions of Gemini, the way um, it interrelates those attributes. So, you know, maybe, I don't know if this makes sense, but this came to me then. Like the etheric body is in a sense a mirror. Like I know that the physical body is the automaton, but the etheric is almost like a mirror to to whatever energies come into it. It's the conveyor. It's the conveyor of those energies. Yes, and actually, the etheric body does not alter those energies in any way. It's designed to just simply convey. But what comes in are the energies of the five pranas, your samskaras. And hopefully, hopefully the two true mirror eventually becomes um, your head or your heart that reflects your soul into the personality so that eventually the whole personality is an automaton to the soul. They become integrated as one. And this is again the type of interrelationship that Gemini brings about. So I, I quite like this sign. It's a nice... Uh, intermediary between manifestation and liberation and the balance between the two. From one point of view, if you look at my card, you'll find that the Antikrana is the uh, the rainbow bridge, which is the seven rays of the seventh ray. Um, The the seventh ray is, is ritual. It's ritualistic. And Gemini is ritual, ritualistic. So you can see that there is the truth you know, there's the, the, the symbolism there quite goes um, quite well. The third ray is what more governs the dense physical. Uh, it's the actual inverse of the atomic plane. So the atomic plane is the karma from which all karma emanates. Its colour is green and its lowest reflex is the dense physical. Whereas the etheric portion of what we call the physical plane is the violet ray. And incidentally, while we're talking about the violet ray, of course, this is the ray that is now in its apogee. It's coming into manifestation during this Aquarian age. And as the Aquarian age becomes more and more prevalent, the violet ray... The, the power of the violet ray, the organisational abilities, uh, will begin to manifest. More and more violet flowers will take over our fields and some of the blue colours and others like that will start to recede as the divas come out of incarnation and the violet divas, the divas of the shadow, come into incarnation with the seventh ray. And it's the establishment or the beginning of the epoch of magic again when people and science begins to discover the Ephric domain, the Ephric body. This is the Aquarian impetus. And you can see that Aquarius and Gemini have a strong relationship. Then I would say um, Virgo, the Aquarius-Gemini-Virgo manifested a triad, where Virgo is the anchoring point, Aquarius is the point of energization, and then Gemini is the mechanism of interrelation. So you have the birthing of the, the, the Christ child in from the womb of Virgo and its feeding of vitalization through Aquarius 
and the mechanism of exchange in Gemini. Okay, so you get this particular sign. I think this is plenty for you to, to meditate upon to, to understand this, this concept of interrelationships of Gemini. And when I do my numerology and the secret doctrine, whenever I get duality of any sort, then immediately looking at the Gemini. So what you also have to understand is that the four cosmic ethers, which are Adi, Anapadaka, Atma and Buddhi, which is also Shunyata, are ruled by Gemini. These are the four ethers. And this is what we as human units are aspiring to attain, to gain enlightenment, to gain liberation. As the voice of silence says, when you can eat the four fruit, then the, the goal is there. This relates, of course, to the attainment of the void of Shunyata. So this is the fourth ether. The second ether is, of course, with a monad, and that's your true self as a cosmic being. Anyway, that, I think that that's plenty for you to think of. So Logos, a, the lords of Shambhala, have incarnated into the fourth ether, into the four ethers, and cannot go any further. You mean they've incarnated down into the four ethers and they cannot go further down? Cannot go further down. The dense physical for them is literally non-existence. It's, it's not a, a principle. Not a plane of incarnation. Right.